0: Wow, you've made it to episode 173 of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Hey, my friend, happy Tuesday. It is good to talk to you. I was 32 years old and my son was five, my oldest, my firstborn son, Joel. And I was taking him to what was called then was a breakaway basketball program. I decided that since I was never good at sports and my dad didn't take me to things like this that I was going to take my son. We were at the church where I served and in that church we had a great gymnasium and there was a boys basketball program. So I took him and on the first day, the first Saturday morning, we showed up at the gym and I'm on the sidelines there sitting on a chair and helping with the best I can with the boys, and my son was five. And I remember he walked out onto the court and he got a basketball. He had no idea what to do with it. He didn't know that you were supposed to dribble it, so he ran around with it. He didn't understand that there were two hoops and only one of them was your hoop. He didn't know that there were two teams. He thought everybody was out there to play together. And he didn't know that there was offense, defense. Essentially, he didn't know one thing about basketball. And I remember standing on the side of the court and watching him and saying to myself, "Oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm a horrible father. I, I haven't taught him anything. He doesn't know his right hand from his left hand. He was completely clueless." Today, my son is thirty-two, and his boy is five years old, and he's playing with his son and teaching his son. He's also coaching basketball at the high school. He's forgotten more than I'll ever know about basketball. And he's also a golf coach, and he loves coaching and mentoring young men. He loves being around student athletes. He loves coaching. He loves building into them. He loves everything about it. And I remember just a few short 27 years ago, he didn't have a clue. I'll tell you something else. It was a Ouija board. I had no idea. I was like seven or eight years old and I was at my grandmother's house. It was a two-story home and there were neighbor kids that came over and we played with them. And we ended up upstairs in an extra bedroom where there were some games in a closet and All of a sudden, we were sitting at this flat surface. I don't know if it was some kind of a table. And they said to us, Okay, you sit across from me, and we'll put this pen in the middle between us. And I'll wrap my hand around it, and you wrap your hand around it. And then we put this piece of paper underneath, and we asked the spirits to speak to us. And we asked them questions and then you watch the pen will move between both of our hands, the pen will start moving. And then later on, they got this game out that was supposed to tell secret things that nobody knew the answer to. And you would ask a spirit a question, and the little piece on the board was supposed to move along with your hands. It would just move to a yes or a no or, or different answers. And it was a Ouija board. We were calling out to spirits. I was not a believer at the time. I was in a home that we didn't go anywhere. We didn't go to church. We didn't do anything like that. And, and here I was in this second-story room with these other kids calling out to the spirits of the dead. And in that closet where there were toys and games, there was this big, ornate Bible that had gold leaf on the the edges of the pages and all the little tabs for the books of the Bible. And throughout this Bible, there would be collections of four-color glossy pages with charts and pictures and diagrams and explanations about all the miracles of Jesus, the healings of Jesus. And throughout this Bible, it was so interesting. I didn't have a Bible. I never had a Bible. And it was, it was in that closet, that upstairs closet that had some games and what turns out to be a Ouija board, there was also a Bible. And I don't remember a whole lot, but I know that I asked my grandmother if I could take it home. I took it home, and I read it a lot. It was in that same environment where we were calling out to the spirits of the dead that God placed a Bible for me to find. And I would hold on to that Bible for years and years and years and read from it often. Right about that same time, all of a sudden, one day in school, in third grade, my cousin wasn't in class. We were both in the same class. We had the same teacher. And all of a sudden, uh, my cousin wasn't in class. And the next day, she wasn't in class. And and before long, I would find out that my aunt— took my cousin and her three siblings, my other cousins, and with her boyfriend drove to California. We were in New York at the time. And I was in third grade, and I wouldn't know hide or hair of her for 40 years. And it was in 2012 that I got a text message, and it said this, Are you my cousin Jeff? In this long-lost cousin that I hadn't seen in 40 years, our lives had gone in completely different directions, both uh, figuratively and literally. I got a text message from her. And after uh, a few messages back and forth and a phone call, one day I was ordering flowers to be sent to her door to let her know that her cousin remembers. Here's one more story. Kobe Bryant leaned his head around the guy next to him to make eye contact with me. And he says to me, he says, how you doing, sir? And I'm like, really good, Kobe. We're looking forward to watching you play tonight. My son had been following the Lakers for years. And little by little through his high school and college years, we would watch the Lakers through NBA League Pass. We would travel up to Minneapolis. We would see the team. We would stay in the hotel where the team stayed. We would get to know some of the Lakers organization people, and we would get to meet most of the players. I wasn't so much watching basketball as I was making memories with one of my boys. Just a couple years ago, that same son called me and scared me because he was in tears. He was crying. He could hardly talk. I thought something had happened to one of my grandkids. He tells me Kobe died. What a sad day that was. What a... What a sad experience that was to go through with my son. Here was a guy at the top of the game of life, cut down in a tragic helicopter accident. And not just him, but his daughter and several other wonderful people as well. Yesterday, I talked to you about preaching. Today, I want to say to you that in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus' disciples asked him, why do you speak to the people in parables? There were a number of reasons why Jesus did that. One of them was that he wanted to talk about truth without laying more judgment and condemnation on the people who were never going to believe it. So he talked in parables, and those who had ears to hear, they heard, and they learned. And other people, it just went right over their head, went right by them. You know, neurological research has now proven that proposition and facts and information can go in one ear and write out the other. But narrative stories, they can't. So the story I told about my son on the basketball court, about me in that upper room with the Ouija board, about my cousin who was absconded to California, about Kobe Bryant speaking to me, All these stories are stories that you connected with, that you listened to. You had an opinion about some of them. You had thoughts. They caused you to think about things in your life. So, Pastor, my question to you is, this weekend, what story are you going to open your message with? What story are you going to grab your listeners with and draw them in to the topic or the passage or the truth that you are going to be talking to them about this weekend? I want to challenge you with that. What story will you open with? And what story will you drive your point home with? Which story will grab their attention? And which story will follow them out the door? It's an opportunity you have this weekend, Pastor. I encourage you to take it. Remember, you can give them the three things that that passage says about the Apostle Paul or the five ways that Jesus is sufficient for us. And those things can go in one ear and out the other. But when you attach narrative, they can't. They take a detour in the brain. They have to be processed. They have to be thought through. And emotion will often be involved. Stories make good sermons great sermons. So start and end with a story this weekend. Think about the one that you've never told. Think about the one that illustrates the truth that you want to share. And share it this weekend. And I'll talk to you tomorrow on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.